We're going to take a look at Ruth here in a second, but let's just have a moment of, of introductory comment for for the last few weeks. As you know, we've been talking about women in the Bible, and not just any of the women, but women who are part of the lineage of Jesus. And what we've learned is, is he's got a lot of colorful characters in his family tree, as do we all. And these women are special because they teach us something about what it means to be a woman and a devoted follower of the Lord God, Christ Jesus. It also tells us a little something about our relationship with Jesus because it sounds like he might be bringing along in his humanity enough of us to save us. I think that's what we're going to find out. Now we're going to meet Naomi and Ruth. And some of you are more familiar with their story than some of these other ladies, but let's hear it from a woman's perspective as best as this man can do it. Uh, they are, like many of the women in the Bible, victims of the cultural norms and other circumstances that are beyond their control. These two women are admirable, though, because of their resilience and their integrity and the tender love that they show for each other. And they are ordinary women. They really are. At first, it seems like they're extraordinary, maybe just because they're in the Bible, maybe because they are people who make pretty profound decisions. But I will argue that every woman you know has had to make hard decisions that have changed her life forever. When I said earlier in our advertising, <laughs> I have no idea why I said that, just a Freudian slip, I guess, in our announcements, which is a form of advertising. As I said earlier, we really have no right to assume that somehow we're going to go back to normal because there's no such thing as normal, right? The fact is, is that life is fluid and it changes all the time. And everything about our lives is affected by the last decision we made. And everything about our relationships is about the decisions we make and the people that are closest to us and the decisions they make. And, and so it really is like we're, we're all moving through life together with a small group of people and all of our decisions interact with each other's decisions because of their importance to us, those people. And that's why we can say with certainty that nothing about the way life was before coronavirus is going to go back to being like that again in the future. We will never go back to that life again. We just can't because we're moving too far ahead of it. It's like we dropped something beside the road and then kept going and we can't go back and get it. And so we're not going to go back and get the life we had before coronavirus. What we are going to get is the life we have after coronavirus and through coronavirus. And that's what this story is about. That's what the story of Naomi and Ruth is about. The story starts with Naomi and her husband Elimelech, who are in Bethlehem in Judea, amongst all of their family and friends. They're living in a small community where everybody's related, or at least they all went to school together and they all know each other. And the generations have grown up together throughout the years and so there is a real closeness in this community, as with any small community. And there are those old animosities and difficulties and things that some people have with each other. 
But for the most part, even in those, there's a, a, a harmony, a, a, a community. And so it had to be traumatic for Elimelech and Naomi to find out that their community couldn't support them. It could barely support itself anymore because of a plague, or I mean a, a, a famine, which is the absence of food and plague is sickness. So, so with this lack of food for the entire community, Elimelech and Naomi make an unbelievably difficult decision to leave their community and to go where they can find food and work so that they can continue to provide for their two sons. And so we assume these sons are young at this point, at least not young enough to marry. And they go to a place called Moab. Now, these are Jews, people who know their story, know their ancestry, whose entertainment didn't involve all the multimedia devices we have now. They simply had each other for entertainment. And so when there was no work to do for a particular reason, they would tell their story of who they are and where they come from. And, you know, families still do that, especially at times like, for example, in the story of my father's passing recently, that's caused us to stand around and sit around and, and think about our story and who we are and where we come from. And we haven't been able to do it appropriately because of Corona-19, Corona, I mean, COVID-19, coronavirus. And that's been hurtful. But that's what families do, right? When someone passes away, there's a, there's a storytelling and a reminder of who we are and where we come from. And those people knew their story in Judah, in Judea and in Bethlehem. And, well, they knew about those Moabites. You see, Moab was the son of an incestuous relationship that you can read about in Genesis chapter 19. And it was something that the Moabite people carried as a sort of curse. But the truth is, nobody can help who their parents are. Nobody can help who gave birth to them, who brought them into this world. And neither could Moab. And we're going to find out that Naomi and Elimelech were taking a big chance and teaching us an important lesson because Naomi and Elimelech decided to go and live among the Moabites because that's where the food was. That's where survival for their family was. This is a four-chapter book, and I can't read the whole thing to you now, or I choose not to. So what I am going to do is read to you what is probably considered the most famous passage in the, uh, in the story. And this passage comes as a result of another unbelievable turn of events in these ladies' lives, in this life. So Naomi, I have a little more backstory to tell, I realized. So Naomi is married to Elimelech. They move to Moab. They find that they're welcome there. You ask me how I know. Well, because they settled down and they got food and work. And if they weren't welcome, don't think that would have happened. The best sign that they were made welcome, and not only made welcome, but felt that whatever presumptions that had been in their minds about Moabite people weren't true, because they even allowed their sons, encouraged their sons to marry Moabite women. So by the time they settled in Moab and their sons were old enough to marry, 
they had clearly decided this was a good place to spend their lives. And these were good people to spend their lives with. So that kind of throws the whole Moabite thing out the window. Turns out maybe we shouldn't assume so much based on rumor and speculation and our own pride. And so after living there for a while and their sons marrying two Moabite women, Naomi and Elimelech experienced tragic change because change is inevitable. Because even though we wish everything would stay the same, change always comes. And sure enough, there was some sort of sickness that went through the Moabite community, perhaps the whole land, maybe across the world like COVID-19, and Elimelech died. And as if that wasn't bad enough, her two daughters, Ruth and Orpah, lost their husbands. So now Naomi has lost her husband and her sons. Mothers, can you even imagine the grief that she must have felt as she lost her husband and then her sons? And now she has these two daughters-in-law. And as women in their culture, they have no support whatsoever. Naomi says to Orpah and to Ruth, Ladies, girls, I love you like my own flesh. You are my daughters in every sense in my heart. And it would be best for you to stay here among your people and for me to go home to my people because if there's any chance of survival at all, it will be some sort of act of mercy and goodwill on the behalf of a family member from another family member. And after a beautiful conversation and difficult decisions, Orpa says, if that will please you, then mother, I will go to my people. And Ruth says, Famously from Ruth 1, 6, these words. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people providing food for them in Bethlehem and Judea, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and your gods and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. 
your people will be my people and your God my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a beautiful story. What real and authentic people they are. You've had conversations like this throughout your life. You've had drama like this in your life. I know you have. I've had it in my own life. These are the decisions that define our lives, and these are the things that we think we're in control of, but we're not. Each makes the best decision they can, and it all depends on who you're going through life with. Now, what happens is they make this long and difficult journey, or down from the heights of Moab, uh, across the valley of the Jordan River, around the Dead Sea, and up into the hills of Judea, up to Bethlehem, and they return. And at this point, Ruth is the outsider, and Naomi is the native. Now Ruth is having to learn the culture of these people that she doesn't know, and who naturally suspect that she's just another strange inbred person from this weird tribe of people that should never have happened. And then Boaz sees her in a new light. Boaz sees her devotion to Naomi and sees what Naomi and Elimelech saw. They, as a community, begin to realize that they may be wrong about those Moabite people. And Ruth is an indication of that because she's an incredibly dedicated person. She's given up her faith and religion of her life up to that point. She's given up her family of origin and she cling, clings to this woman who is a Jew, who is her mother now as much as mother-in-law. And she is working hard to learn the culture, and she's beautiful, not only outwardly, but inwardly because of her character. And they all begin to realize maybe that they've been wrong about these people, at least most of them. Because the story tells us that at least one guy had more right to marry Ruth and absorb all of the property that would have come to her through Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and her uh, sons who have died, and one guy's thinking seriously he'd kind of like to have that wealth, but then he decides he'd really rather not be married to a Moabite woman, and Boaz says, fine, I'll take her then, and we know how that worked out. See, Ruth was willing to adapt and adjust her life to the leadership of Naomi's God. That's what was going on. Now, Naomi didn't see herself as blessed. In fact, she felt cursed by God. She called herself that, cursed by God. But then she changed her name when she saw Boaz taking interest in the beautiful young Moabite woman with the beautiful character. Naomi starts to see hope. Thank you to the one who contributed that piece of information in the Bible study this morning. And Ruth is a sign of Naomi's redemption. Right now, only Naomi's only thinking about Ruth. She's saying, you know, cling to Boaz. Be who you are and watch Boaz fall in love with you and you will be secure in your future. But Naomi hasn't been forgotten by her daughter. 
Ruth isn't going to forget her. And so it is the humble submission of Ruth to the kinsman redeemer that brings about not only Ruth's salvation, but Naomi's salvation. Now we all, if we study the Bible for any time at all, have realized that this is a type of Christ because it is humble submission to Christ after all, our kinsman redeemer, one who's just like us. How do I know he's just like us? Because all of this drama we've heard about over the last few weeks is in his family tree. It's as though our King Jesus walks to his throne of glory, and in the train of his robe is this whole tree of colorful, complex, messed up people who are just doing the best they can with what they've got in a world tainted by sin. And the one who redeems the world from that sin and saves it all, brings that with him to the cross, bears it on the cross, and God says, now I can forgive their disobedience, and I can welcome them back into my home, and they can become clean and whole. They can be redeemed. It doesn't matter if they're Moabites and they come from a weird, strange, incestual relationship. It doesn't matter if they've been abused and used because of their uh, perception of, of unworthiness of the highest that life has to give. None of that matters. Only thing that matters is the humble submission to the kinsman redeemer who saves us by his grace. And what's more beautiful than ever about this story is that the kinsman redeemer sees the beauty, not the dirt and the grime from the road, not the tattered clothes of a traveler who has nothing left. The kinsman redeemer doesn't see the crazy wild hair that hasn't been combed in a long time. The kinsman redeemer doesn't see the mother-in-law in tow. The kinsman redeemer sees the beauty, the inner beauty, the, the thing inside that is the spark of the very heart of God waiting to be released. And the kinsman redeemer does whatever it takes. He pays whatever price is necessary to bring his bride into his household. Ruth and Naomi are proof to us that ordinary lives and ordinary people matter a lot. And I want you to spend the rest of this day as you enjoy the outdoors or the indoors or wherever. If you have a moment to sit quietly and relax, I want you to take time to think about your life story, about all of the events of your life and all the decisions you made and who was important when you made those decisions and why you chose what you chose. And I want you to realize that your kinsman redeemer, Lord Jesus Christ, our King, has every intention of embracing all of that and bringing you into his household. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts. Change our very nature. Help us see ourselves through our Redeemer's eyes. Not to become proud and haughty, but to become humble and submissive and to feel the overflowing love that our great God has for us. Our kinsman redeemer looks for the most ordinary, humble people and brings them home to his house. And we give you all the glory and praise. Amen.